Isn't God amazing? The worship team and Andrew this morning have preached my sermon. They've already done it, (laughs) which is so good, except you're going to have to hear it all over again. (laughs) But God is so amazing how he just brings everything together. Today's the last... I don't know whether you call it episode or chapter, or, but of the church being the village or the village being the church, that we're all one joined together and needing one another. And my subject today was holy living, living a holy life. And Andrew doesn't know that one, but I just about pulled my hair out on that one. I thought, yeah, right, living a holy life. I don't think I can do it. So I thought, first I've got to start with something that, that's how I'm feeling. Please refer to sin as bad choices is one of these things up here. Tell me again how much God wants to bless me. Make sure there's enough programs for my kids. So, the poor pastor. Maybe we can organise something like that for you, Andrew. (laughs) But now we're getting into the nitty-gritty. What is, when he first gave it to me, I said, thought to myself, well, what is holiness? What is it? And after searching, I found the Old Testament meaning. That first one is the Old Testament meaning of what being holy is. It's a cutting off or a separation from what is unclean and a consecration to what is pure. It's the cutting off of all that is unclean, which is not pleasing to God, and consecrating to pureness, to holy, sanctified, set apart. So do you feel like this? Do you feel holy? Do you feel pure? Do you feel like you've had it all cut off and you're clean and holy and you... You're perfect. I just looked at that and that's why I sort of thought, yeah, holy living, how far short do I fall? I think you can have the next one, thanks. I just need my little notes. Even in the Gospel, Jesus said, In Matthew 5, verse 48, it says, But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's a big ask, isn't it? That's a big ask, that you be as perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Leviticus, God himself said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I, the Lord God, am holy. Impossible. Absolutely possible. Who's holy here? Oh, we got a few hands. Fantastic. I like that. I like that. Because my next slide says, but, 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 but. <laughs> It does. It literally says, but, 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 but. 
there is no way we can be holy in our own strength. And this is where I was saying before, Andrew has preached my sermon in communion, and that's fine. Let's have a read of it from 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped, this is Paul talking to the people in Corinth. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, our new life has begun. When Jenny was here, she got some of us to learn that verse, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Christ has done it all. We can't be holy and perfect in our own strength. I know when I was younger, I used to try and try and try and all it did was give me a huge headache, make me sick and finally, I think it would have been in my early 30s, I put the Bible down and said, I'm sick of this, I'm not reading this anymore, I'm sick of it telling me what to do. That possibly was the turning point. I realised I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do everything it said in the Bible. I couldn't be perfect or holy myself. It's not possible. But Jesus on the cross, he took all our sin, past, present, future. He took it all for every man, boy, girl, woman who has ever lived. He took it all upon himself that we might become the children of God, that we might be holy unto him, that we might be a part of a royal priesthood. We are royal priests. Our fleshly body is still here, but our spirit, God has given us, a, it says in the Bible, we've given us a new heart, a new spirit. We no longer as Andrew kept saying before in the song, we're free. Sin has lost its power on us. When Christ died, the power of sin was broken forever in those who give their life to Christ. I have to say that last little bit because if you haven't given your life to Christ, that power of sin is not broken. You're still under the curse of the law. But when you give your life to Christ, he has taken the punishment 
for everything that you or I have ever done, will ever do. That doesn't mean to say that you're not going to be sorry when you sin. I can remember in um, life group one day, night, not that too long ago, we were talking about dying to sin and Charlie said, yeah, well, right, I might be in my coffin but I keep sitting up. <laughs> and I thought, yep, that's a picture of all of us. I could just see it, of this picture of a coffin that's lying there and all of a sudden the head pops up. I'm still here. <laughs> But then you've got to say, no, you're not, get down there. <laughs> we have to reckon ourselves dead to sin. That's what Paul says, reckon yourself dead to sin. And the more you reckon yourself dead to sin, the more God can help you to grow. We're all tempted. I think it was temptation last week, was it? or the week before. I've been in children's church, so I'm not sure. There's temptation and we're all tempted. And I know, work's a great place to be tempted. If I was a hermit and went and lived out in the desert, never saw another person, maybe I would not be tempted, but I would, because I'd be complaining that I was thirsty or wanted something else. But. <laughs> We're all tempted, but because Jesus has broken the power of sin in our life, we can choose. We can choose. And I know, sometimes we're going to say, I know I've said this before, God will say to me, don't say that. And I say to him quietly, but I want to. I want to be part of that group. I want to join with them. But... If I do go ahead, it wasn't worth it. I just feel so, so terrible knowing that I've deliberately said no to my dad. And if I wouldn't say no to my earthly dad, I certainly shouldn't be saying no to my heavenly dad. So, but God has done it all. And I've no idea where I'm up to. Ah, oh, yes. Okay. If God has done it all in us, if we have been crucified with Christ, the sin nature no longer has a hold on us, then what's our part in living a holy life? C can we just sit down and do nothing because God's done it? Is that going to help us in our temptation? Well, it will if we just sit there. But if you're going to be a part of the world and you really have no choice, you're, you live in this world, how are we going to live a holy life? Which comes back to the same question as before. Holy living, can't do it. We cannot do it in our own strength. And again, at our prayer meeting last week, Marilyn said something that just broke everything open for me in understanding. For me, it was very powerful. And she was talking about Psalm 107. I'm not going to read it today, but I'll give you the gist. 
four times in that psalm, it's the story of the people of Israel. Four times in that psalm, it says in different ways, the people, God says to the people of Israel, you were going okay, but you forgot me. You turned away. You tried to do things in your own strength. You left me behind. And then it says, but then in your desperation, you cried out to me and I rescued you. The second time it says, you have been disobedient to me. You've done what you wanted to do, not what I wanted. You deliberately left me. So I have had to send you into captivity. And finally in that psalm it shows, in their desperation they cried out to God and he rescued them. All the way through that psalm is the same picture. In our desperation, he rescues us. And I do think quite often, he allows us to get to that place. He allows us sometimes to have a most revolting week. Until we get to the place, we get down on our knees and say, I can't do it anymore. I can't go on. I just can't do it. And then what does he do? He speaks to us. He picks us up. He says, do it my way, not yours. Paul spoke about this. And he said, do you remember, um, some people say the thorn in his flesh was his eyesight. Some say it was all the persecution from, from all the people around him. He says he begged God three times to free him from this thorn in the flesh. But God said, no. And I don't don't know if I've got it there or not. Yes, it says, three times I begged the Lord to take this thorn away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of God can work through me. That to me was a real, a real awakening that when I am weak and I'm feeling so fragile, that's when God's power in me can do the most good. That's when God can grow me into that holy person that he wants me to be. It's not when I'm out feeling wonderful and well and working and doing everything because then I'm just doing it in my own strength and not looking to him. But it's when I'm just so frail and we all get like that at different times for different reasons. But when we're frail then we can rejoice, then we are strong because God will do it in us if we cry out to him. God is our strength. And Christ himself is the ultimate picture 
of strength in weakness. He had a fleshly body like us. He died on the cross. It looked like weakness to everybody. Weakness. There he is hanging on a cross. He's weak. But what power came out of that death on the cross? God raised him up to life. In his weakness, the greatest power of life was released. God, in his death, he conquered sin, as we said. He, he was raised to life. He is ours. Have I got any more slides or did I stop there and go to sleep? <laughs> I'm sorry. We had a long night last night. <laughs> um, yeah. God, God is so powerful that I really want to remember in my life when I am weak, then I have the strength that I need for God to work in me. My flesh is dead, but my spirit is alive. And my... I'm trying to think how to say this. My spirit, my heart needs to be so strengthened in God that it overcomes this weak fleshly body. And I can't do it. I can't do anything. And I guess that's my message for today. I can't do it. You can't do it. But God has done it and he is continuing to do it. Every time you get up in the morning and you say, Morning, Lord, can I go back to sleep? That's me. You get up at 8 o'clock to be at work by 8.30. Not much time from God, I'm afraid. But today, I just say, Lord, I really... And I've really only thought about this in the last week, so I want to get up in the morning and say, Lord, allow me to be weak so that your strength can be shown in me. Allow me to be vulnerable. Allow me to love. And I did miss out a, a very important point in it all, right from the middle. I was going to say, how do we live a holy life? It's in love. Love for each other. Love for the downtrodden, love for the ugly, love for the ones that have hurt you. It's only in love. As 1 Corinthians says, you might read it, I think. It says, if I could speak in, language, in any language in heaven or on earth, but didn't love others, I would only be making meaningless noise like a loud gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I knew all the mysteries of the future and knew everything about everything, but didn't love others, what good would I be? And if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move without love, I'd be no good to anybody. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I'd be of no value whatsoever. 
Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable and it keeps no record of when it has been wronged. It is never glad about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love is the key of love for God, his love for us and outflowing from that, our love for one another as a village. It's our love, but we can't do it by ourselves. And even when we're not thinking we can muck it up, I mucked it up this morning, first thing. Foot in mouth. You can laugh at that one, Jenny. <laughs> I have foot in mouth. I spoke before I thought. And I hurt someone. And that really upset me. <laughs> we're over it now, but... <laughs> we all sin. We all need God. But rejoice in your weakness, for then God gives you the strength. Rejoice and cry out to him. It's no good saying, Lord, I'm so happy that I feel so awful. Oh, I'm so glad that I'm like this. But it's, I need your help to grow me. I need your help to overcome this sin in my life. You know it's there. I know it's there. I can't get rid of it. I've tried. Help me. Show me ways. The Holy Spirit in you is the greatest gift you have ever been given. The Holy Spirit quickens you, speaks to you through your... I wish I had the Sunday school kids here. I'd ask them the question and I asked them last week. How do we hear the Holy Spirit? He speaks to your mind just like your own thoughts. I always wish he'd do it loudly, but just like your own thoughts, he speaks to you through the word. He speaks to you through the village. He speaks to you through people who are not in your village. I know he has spoken to me many times at work through unbelievers. And it's amazing, they'll just come out with something and I'll think, oh... They've got me there. God is good. And if look, he even speaks through murder mysteries, which you wouldn't think was possible, but he does. He knows how to get me. <laughs> I like murder mysteries. And he just knows what I need. But he knows what each one of you need. And he will speak to you whenever you want him to. But we do need to practice. Practice asking him questions and listening for answers. I think that that's for me is what I started, how I started trying to hear him, was walking along, talking to him, and then I'd ask him a question, and I'd just wait and see if I got an answer. I didn't always, but sometimes it'd be a few days later. But God, he loves us so much that he just wants you to be the best you that you can be. So I'm finishing.
Reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. Remember that you are weak. This old body, it's going to go. All the fat, all the wrinkles, it's going to go. And that's fantastic. But think ahead to the new adventure that you're going to when it goes. Clary's gone on that great, wonderful new adventure. We all will. Those who love God will all be going on that great new adventure sometime. When we will see God face to face. But before then, keep crying out to him in your weakness and letting him grow you to the utmost.